As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Oh, listen to that new music. New music, Sean. (laughs) Same cast of characters back for The American Show for another season. Brother... Brother, we're growing up. We're not listening to guitar anymore. Oh, we got classical. What is that technically? Those strings. Those are strings. I'm a big strings guy, actually. That was that's ported uh, over. That's ported over from a 1950s Disney movie of some sort. I think it might have been Fantasia. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I think I heard that they play that at the Bellagio Fountains. Oh, I love the. Oh, we're gonna get to the Bellagio Fountains in Vegas in a second. This is the Tuesday edition, the Amer- All-American, your favorite, I know it is, listener, edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm your host, co-host, you can say, Craig Custance. Star of the show. And this is starring Sean Gentili. Great show. I mean, we're back. We're excited. We have a great leadoff guest, 
San Jose Sharks GM Mike Greer is going to join us in segment two. He's got, boy, does he have his work cut out. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) We have, uh, we haven't recorded Mike yet. We're doing that after this segment. I'm looking forward to it. And I think I'm just going to go back and forth between asking him, like, ah, wow, Thomas Hurdle. So nice, right? Great guy. And then be like, also, uh, how are you going to do your job for the next five years? Yeah, that's going to be the the classic, like, compliment sandwich interview. (laughs) Boy, boy, Thomas Hurdle, great kid. Great great market. I love that. I love going to San Jose. That's going to be awesome when that team's good again. But also, have you looked at your cap-friendly page? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I wanted to start here. Like, a bunch of news drops as we're recording. Every defenseman from... I would say my era of covering the league at a national level is has retired today. Zdeno Chara, Keith Yandel, PK Subban are some of our favorite people. Like I, I like memorable Larry, moments. So we're going to get together your, in segment three. Your era. That's what. Larry that's how Rob. they they all they all said. Hey, let's get together. This is my era. Yeah, that's how. Like your I feel era. like those were like the like there was a stretch where I was you know I mean, also retiring. Larry Robinson. That's not my era. Sir Savard. No, no, how old am I? I did feel old reading your your story yesterday about the emo and punk songs uh, that you. A lot of those, a lot of those brother. I hate to break it to you. A lot of those are old. I had we had people in the comments. First off, that was Arthur's idea, and Arthur and is old. older than and he's he's old. He's older than me. He's older than you. And there were like there were Fugazi songs in there, like Guy Pichotto from Fugazi is like he's like sixty. This wasn't targeted. This wasn't targeted towards young people. All the ninety percent of those songs came out when you were in in it college. Did, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like you close the at twenty two, you close the book on new music as a human. Everyone knows the rules, and then you just maybe, and that's yeah, it. Maybe, that's that. So like, maybe maybe if you're a coward, I I think I closed the book when I was about. I, was, I made it. I made it farther. I was probably like 32. Like that was targeted for, I would say what older millennials. That would be the the target audience on that one. And you found it by the way. Also, whoever runs the New York times social media account must be an old millennial. I, I'm pretty sure that got some run on the New York times homepage yesterday, which, you know, I don't know if anybody was paying attention to the news, Uh, a little bit of a slow news day. Um, Big story of the afternoon was the Queen of England's funeral. And if you if you looked at that and scrolled a little bit farther down, you would see me. get to the bigger story. <laughs> you would see me and Arthur and Charlie O'Connor trying to figure out which American football song applied to applied to which team. Oh, it might have been your best work. It was Arthur's idea. I was wondering about that. Can you believe it? I can. I can. Arthur's 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 Arthur, cool, dude. Arthur's Arthur's an old punk. Yeah, I, uh, and it worked. People loved it. It sold a bunch of subscriptions and got picked up by the New York Times. Hey, people like fun things and creativity, but also insight a little bit. I don't know. There's some you had to work for it. It wasn't. It wasn't that creative. <laughs> 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 Come on, uh, Sean. I so we haven't talked since you got back from Vegas. Sean Gentili covered one of my three favorite events on the NHL circuit, and this is the car wash. And if you don't know the NHL car wash, this is where they bring typically the best player from each team. They try to, they're, they're mm-hmm. still, or the most willing player, um, or really the most of it, or the most 
available player. Most available in player. some cases. But I mean, Sidney Crosby was there. Connor McDavid was there. Nathan McKinnon was was there. Mm-hmm. Yama Carr. Um, great. I mean, just a, a, usually an all star lineup, and you know, you set up shop, and they're just they, these players make their rounds. And what's fun about it is um, they're all generally in a good mood. Like it's it's they're back from summer. They haven't seen us in a while, so they're not annoyed yet. In your case, they haven't seen people in the locker room in the years, so there's probably some of that. Was that. A big, yeah, that was a so, big question. That was, was that it? was a big through line. Some guys brought it up themselves. They're like, oh, man, I I've, I've been, haven't seen you guys in a while. This is nice. It means like, this is like the last step before things are going back to normal, which is like a thing that we heard multiple times. Everyone's back like, to normal being like them being mad at you and wanting to go to the locker room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure whenever it's, you know – Whenever it's uh, March and the Winnipeg Jets, you know, have lost seven of eleven, and Mark Shifley's getting hit in the head with yeah, cameras, yeah. it is, it, it is, <laughs> it is, uh, it is stall. He'll definitely be equally psyched to talk to everybody as he was a few days ago. Uh, no cap in Winnipeg, but we'll get, we'll get to that too. Yeah. So, what Nathan McKinnon seemed to steal the show based on what I, my followings from afar. What, what were yeah. your impressions? Is, is that a, a Okay, so, yeah. With McKinnon, I think there was some stuff. I think he was even better than the quotes kind of implied that he was. Um, And I'm trying to find, like, a diplomatic, like, pod-friendly way to say this. A lot of the interview was spent with him being like, I'm not crazy. I swear, like, people people think I'm some kind of freak, but, you know, I'm not. And then he would the, go. On. So he was trying to convince you. Yeah, that he's but normal? He, he was. He, yeah, Somewhere? and then he was also. It's not like he was also trying to convince himself. And then he. And then this happened twice. He would say something like that, and then he would immediately say something that just like completely invalidated like the first, like the premise of the his premise argument, of him being right? pretty normal. So yeah, so he was like, and he brought up, <clears throat> I believe it was last year, whenever. You know, someone finally asked about all the crazy rumors where he doesn't let he doesn't let his teammates eat. You know, he makes him eat cauliflower pasta or whatever. Mm-hmm. All the weird nutritional stuff. He, I think that was at last year's car wash. He brings it up on his own. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, like everyone, uh, ev- everyone wants to talk about you know this all the nutrition stuff. Like I'm like I'm policing you know guys in the locker room at their stalls and like that's really that's really not the way it is. And I'm par- I'm par- I'm paraphrasing here yeah, lightly. Sure. And then he wait then he waited a tick and he was like, But you know, I just don't understand how guys can't like don't care about what they put in their body and like whatever. We're like, okay, like like there we <laughs> Look, look, you do what you want, but pretty much. You're yeah. a millionaire athlete. You better eat cauliflower pasta. That's ba- that's I or that's else you're not playing on my line. That's basically that's basically what he said. He was like, you got to be careful about which sports drinks you put in your body, right? It's like BioSteel only. Um, <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by BioSteel. Yes. The other, the other, <laughs> we'll see what hey, happens when it gets released. Depends. Ugh, yuck. Tastes like trash. Uh, the other, the other thing that he did, somebody asked, it was not me, about not winning a heart. Like, basically, like, do you care about that anymore? Like, when, like, I, I, don't, I don't, it was a good it's question. It's been a long I, time, I, by the way. Like, I don't remember. What was that when, when he, like, he should have won it and didn't? Yeah, that was basically, it was, it was uh, the year before. It was, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's happened a yeah, bunch yeah, of times. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That was the most exciting. S- same thing where he's like, you know, yeah, I'd like to win it, but it's not something I think about all that much anymore. You know, it, mm-hmm. it is, it is what it is. You can't, you, you can't control it. Then he, then he waits a beat, and he was like, but yeah, you know, like oh, Jim from Philly doesn't doesn't have me in his top five, so I don't win one. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. Painful, painful. That's what that's what he said. So I I got him rolling on that, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I, Jim I don't from think Philly. Does he think like sports talk callers vote on that? Yeah, right. I was like, uh, I was like, uh, Nate, I don't think Jim from Philly is here. He was like, he was like, he was like, kind of Bob from Seattle. Like, well, like, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, those guys. I, I, I guess, I guess, I need to play better for those guys, and then maybe, then maybe I'll win a hard trophy. Like the standard for that award change every year. Like he started getting, he started getting rolling, right. and he had to stop himself. Like he was like, oh, whatever. Like, da, da, da. And he see, but he had That's a bunch fantastic. of good, yeah, he had a bunch of good stuff about Gretzky and a bunch of good stuff about Crosby and. You know, seems lightened up enough to the point where he's willing to actually, you know, almost show a personality, almost, almost, almost give you a glimpse. Like there's something about the way that he talks and about the way that he answers questions. Mm -hmm. And it might not be necessarily what he says. And this is the level of granularity, I think, that we're working on here sometimes is like talking to Nathan McKinnon. It seems like you're talking to a real person. Right. Like he gesticulates and his voice changes levels and he's clearly gets like, he like, he's like kind of demonstrative in a way that frankly, a lot of those guys aren't. So he's, he's, he's fun to talk to because to have an elite NHL player, a top of tier one B player, if you're going to the, to the, uh, tiers project. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you aren't. You abandoned it. Um, it's rare to find a player that caliber who's actually, kind of engaging and yeah. kind of honest and will give you something that is at least worth sharing with people. It doesn't happen all that often. So I think the combo of the player and the point in his career that he's at now, because he's, he's won a cup, if you yes. can scratch that off the list. And the fact that he, we did catch him at the start of the season before stuff got really ugly. I think that combination um, led to some better answers. And that clearly was not the case for everybody. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's a couple of theories there. I mean, part of it's just personality. Nathan McKinnon's always been personality. I wonder how much of it, he's in Denver, right? Like, he's not overwhelmed constantly. He hasn't been graded down by the media, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think. I mean, yeah, deal he's with talking Peter to, Baugh, that's he's fun. Talking to, he's talking that? to Pete every day. Who yeah. wouldn't be in a good mood? That would be, that would be awesome. Um, you know, so there's that, and, and you're right. He's matured. He doesn't, he doesn't have to defer to anybody. He's won a cup. Like, he can, now he can be himself. Um, I, I did want to ask you about Connor McDavid, who's kind of, yeah. you know, when you talk about people who are maybe more reserved, uh, you know, Connor <laughs> has been living under a microscope since he was 14, where everything he says is magnified times a thousand. So it's the opposite, right? Like he was the, it, and so I, I just, my fear with Connor is he's kind of, he's gone so far the other direction where he can't even. It just seems inhuman at times. That, like, I mean mm-hmm. that in a way, like it just seems robotic. Like he just is so worried about him being quoted. So, you know, not to go like uh, uh, an unfun direction, but the Hockey Canada stuff came up and yeah. it read to me pretty insensitive when coming, oh, you know, it, reading the transcripts. Because it was. Yeah. It, was. <clears throat> it was. And I think maybe it sounded 
it didn't sound quite as bad as it read because I was I was there I was at the table and on, on and on some level I I mean I blew it we all we we all should have followed up a little bit a little bit more you know strenuously on that I don't want to turn this into like media navel gazing hour yeah, yeah. no no nobody wants to hear me I mean, we are talking about a media you know, access event uh, yeah, well, yeah right I mean well because what else I mean whatever yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just it just it just happened it's fine right. like. Nobody, I, I'm not trying to like martyr myself here or whatever, because I think that happens too often on, on, on stuff like this. Um, I, I, I wish we would have pushed back harder on that because it was such, and I think, because I, and I think part of it is because we're just so trained to accept like non-answer answers that are theoretically <clears throat> pretty anodyne, right? That's everything, that's everything Connor McDavid says. It's just like, whatever. It's like, he'll talk and it'll be, you know, somewhat relevant because he says it, but also it'll be devoid of content. Really? Like, like there's just, there's nothing there. And right. he went into that. He went into that mode on the hockey Canada stuff. It was just like, yeah, this is a hard time for everybody, like whatever. And it was, and I think, I think, I think we, I mean, I certainly just didn't, it didn't register with me as being as, uh, crappy an answer right. as it was because people were pissed and rightfully right. so because that's you know and i think we run the uh, there are some things with hockey players where we run the risk of expecting too much from them like we can't expect like i'm not expecting these guys to give like actually you know engaging political answers or be right, honest sure. and, you know be fun to be fun to bs with about you know, whatever under the banner of heaven or whatever TV shows people like that. Like I, I, it, th that's tough, right? You can't be like, Hey, I, I caught the show on, on FX. Like, let's talk about it. That's like on a lot, you know, in a lot of cases, that's not the level these guys are operating on. You're not expecting them to be engaging personalities. And I think too often, especially in the case of McDavid and especially in the case of this hockey Canada stuff, we apply that to things of real importance. Like we're okay getting, garbage answers from Connor McDavid about getting pucks in deep and, you know, we got to the, the power play and, you know, whatever else. So we give them a pass. I'm saying we very in a very literal sense, as yeah. in like me a couple of days ago, yeah. you give him a pass to whenever he gives an actual trash answer for something like with the hockey Canada stuff, which is just like, you keep, again, standards really low. You look at what Kale McCarr said. It was perfect and fantastic and didn't yeah. ruffle any feathers and not like you know didn't it was it was meaningful and um insightful and um sincere yes. without like putting without putting himself in any kind of hot water even even mckinnon mckinnon had the same kind of line of answering but added at the end just how how it was just how it made him sick and it was in this and that he at least centered the victim the you know the the, the accuser in a way that McDavid didn't. McDavid was like, yep, uh, bad, bad deal for everybody. Like, let's move on. Right. <laughs> and I think we treated that in the moment, like, like we were asking him a question about, you know, Mike Smith retiring or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that, and that's, and, that, and that's not what he was. He doesn't have an obligation to be interesting. He doesn't have an obligation to tell us tactical stuff or give us any look at his internal life. Like we, and I think right. we're trained, we're trained to not expect that. That's fine. Like that's, there's no obligation there. And people, you know, you can criticize them on some level, but it doesn't, right. It doesn't raise the level of biffing on an answer that badly 
and also not being pushed back on it, which is something we, anybody who was face to face with them could have done. Cause it was, it was just, it was, it was garbage. It was, it, it, it was junk. And we treated it like he was, you know, again, answering a post game question about whatever. And that's not the case. Right. The standard is the standard for that stuff for hockey players is really low. The standard for Connor McDavid is even lower and he failed to meet it. And we kind of ushered him, you know, up to the door on that one. Hmm. It's interesting because Sidney Crosby for years was people were critical that he didn't, you know, he, he could be bland. And I think for many of the same reasons he was. David is, but I think Sid has found a way to, he's more introspective. Sid thinks like Absolutely. you ask him a question, he thinks about it almost through the, you can see it like processing through the lens of I'm Sidney Crosby. So I, I, you know, I, I still have to answer this carefully. But it's not always going to be just a completely bland answer. It, it, and without going, I mean, whatever, we're reading into body language and stuff here. Yeah, There's yeah. no way around it. But like, if you ask Sidney Crosby a tough question, you can tell that he's trying to formulate a thoughtful answer. And, or, or, or at least you see the gears, you see the gears turning. Like he knows that there's stuff he can't say. And he sort of flicks it, maybe the bigger point, and very rarely, you know, there's a difference between being bland and being, you know, almost deliberately evasive, right? And I and yeah. I think that and I think that Crosby is on the right side of that, certainly more so as he's gotten older. And there's just something about maybe not in some cases it's what he says in some cases it's how he says it it's what it looks like as he's saying it and whatever else i don't see that with mcdavid most of the time honestly mm-hmm. like it's it's there's a you know blankness there i yeah, think that right. that isn't that isn't that isn't present with crosby was there a guy um so you know you know Nathan, we kind of know nathan's McKinnon's personality. We've kind of gotten to know Cal McCarr fairly quickly at a kind of a national level. The fun thing about these events is sometimes they bring up like, you know, Mark Stone or Mark Stone or somebody who maybe you just haven't dealt with that. You were like, that guy was great. Like you nailed both. You nailed both of them actually. Really? Who was it? It was Mark Stone, deadpan, really funny. Um, Had some great digs at Kessel, had a really great line about Eichel. It's asked about Eichel. I, well, I don't even, I probably wasn't even a line. It just seemed like it, it was him being honest. Yeah. Like Mark Stone's give a shit meter is way, is, is way. Yeah. It's, Mark it, 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 like it's low. It's like, low, like right? he, he's, he's, he's not, he's not, he's not worried. Oh, he gets asked about. Oh, I love when people he get, get to that point. Oh. He gets asked about Eichel. About what it was like playing with, playing with Jack or tough first year for Jack or whatever, whatever yeah. the exact yeah, phrasing yeah. of it was. He goes, uh, yeah, when he got here, I thought he was a bad guy. <laughs> We're like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I just figured I figured he was going to be a bad guy. We're like, oh, damn. I, it, it was like, and it was like with the way stuff ended, like whatever. He yeah, thought yeah. that Eichel was, was, a, ba- was a bad was dude. A bad and then Eichel guy. shows up and works harder than anybody. And obviously shows him, doesn't think he's a bad guy now. But just to open a... I thought that's to where open he just answer with that. like that. Where he's just like, never had my mind changed. Or... <laughs> I wish I was, I was kind of hoping there was like, Oh, and, and you know, and, he, and here, we are in year, here, here, here we are in year two. He's, he's at least he's going to have, have a full season to change my mind. No, he just, he prefaced it with that. He yeah, was, he was yeah. just generally funny. And Philip Deneau, 
I had never spoken to him before. He was great. He yeah. was a total low talker. I was worried my mic wasn't going to pick up anything he was saying, but a super thoughtful dude. Um, and seemed like he's get like that's he's going to be he's going to be a coach. He's going to be in management yeah. or something if he wants it. He's he's got that. I think we can always tell. We're like, all right, that guy's that guy's that, that guy's a GM in in twelve years or whatever it is. And and he's certainly he's certainly on that level. Um, and Jonathan Uberdo. Uberdo was oh, great. I liked his. What did he say about like Bill Zito? Did Branch for living a favor or something? There was some <laughs> kind of money quote, right? Like, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Uh -huh. So all right. So I, this is so this is so in the weeds. So like, whatever. Hey, you know, was the last. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're, we're there. there. We're there. Welcome we've back. We, we, we've <laughs> disappeared into our into our own navels on this one. I think already. people are looking for like the three times speed button on their podcast. Right <laughs> How can we get to the mic? Really so faster? yeah. So so Uberdo is the last one of the day. He's the last guy today. The There's this huge gap in between. Typically, these are like these are like rapid fire, right? Yeah. They're 15 minutes. They bring in another guy. 15 minutes. They bring in another guy. It's like once you talk to six hockey players for an hour and a half consecutively, like by the end, you're sort of cooked, right? Yeah. Cause there was no, there was no break. It's like, all right, here's Cam Atkinson. Here's like Quinn speed Hughes. Here's like it, a hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. So there's this big gap in between Uberdo and everyone's like, all right, it's like two hours, right? So everyone's like, all right, we're some, some, some folks left. Some folks. I was going to say, I'm surprised he stuck it out. I might've been like, me and well. Russo, me, no, me and Russo worked. We just like trans, we just transcribed yeah. some stuff and we're like, whatever, we're here. We're not going to blow off Uberdo. And I'm glad we didn't because he was awesome. The group was a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, and he made our worth, he made our weight worth it. You know, he was like super thoughtful and super sincere and like very clearly still kind of banged up from the trade, even though he's psyched for Calgary and right. he's, you know, pumped, and he's like, you know, ready. He's thrilled about the direction of the team and loved all the money he signed for or whatever. Like, you're like, fine. He's great. Yeah. But Quinn Hughes had this line where he was talking about how excited he was that how initially how excited he was to see stuff fall apart for the flames. Cause he's like, he's like, Oh, you know, I think it's great. Johnny and, you know, they look, they look like they, John, Johnny walks and that they're going to have to trade Chucky. So like the arrows go in like, whoop, and he did like yeah. the roller coaster down motion. And he's like, and then, you know, whatever they trade for Uberto and they signed Nas and Uyghur and all this stuff. And then it goes back up. And like, so like, like Quinn was like, I'm, you know, was he doing he sound was, effects with the arrows too? He, he actually did. Yeah. He, he did like that. He did like the gesture and the sound. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Cause he liked us and doesn't like you personally. I, I was going to ask about that. The Quinn Hughes tour has started. Um, but we asked, someone brought that up about, you know, about being like, well, you kind of had a ro like roller coaster off season. People thought they were going to suck. And then they pulled it together, like Bradtree Living, you know, pulled it together. <laughs> and Uberdo was like, yep, yeah, thank Bill Zito for that one. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yep. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay. Mm. And then but no, it was, it, was, uh, it was very good. He's a thoughtful. Thoughtful dude. Heard heard good things about Uberdo from Drancer. Uh, Tom, Thomas Drance, you know, covers yeah. the Canucks, but also also, but also was a, a lot of Florida connections. Was there. Com's VP for the Panthers in a, in a very recent past life. So he he got to know Uberdo well and was like, like he, he had always said that he's a great dude. And I think we gotta we gotta taste that. But it was a good it was, you know, it was a good couple of days. It's always a challenge. I think we regular listeners know. You know, we do our best to 
wring whatever we can out of this guy, out, out of these guys at times. And that was, you know, I got two full, two full days of that. Would it have been um, too much to ask for you to get a little bit of audio for the podcast? So I could see segment two. My goodness. You had a bunch of players Brother. dropped in your lap and you couldn't get some. Podcast Do you want to? Okay. Let's see. We're like, we're like Jeez. 25 minutes in here. Do you want to just turn this into like the, in the like, in like inside baseball media grievance yeah, tour. Now you get to, yeah, we're, we go, yeah, we're already going into the media stuff. That was and then not, now it's Sean and Craig's planning sessions about that was not that was not gonna happen. And we see 32 Thoughts, Elliot and Jeff have three different podcasts lined up mm-hmm. with great audio one on ones from Crosby and whatever. That folks is the benefit of being an NHL rights holder. Oh, we're not. We're not a rights Sportsnet. holder. Yeah, we know. We know. We don't broadcast tele. We don't stream games on the on, on the website. So um, Sportsnet Sportsnet got guys in that capacity. ESPN did, but there was zero chance that we were going to be able to get you know usable audio, let alone let alone one on ones with uh, any of those guys. Really. Hey, proudly independent since two thousand seventeen. Yeah, but when we start <laughs> is that 16? true? <laughs> I don't know. Eighteen anymore. <laughs> We're independent. Who are we rights holders? Producer Jeff says 2016. 2016. We are beholden to nobody. Other than the interests of other than the interests of the New York Times company. Well, of course. That goes without saying. All right. Let's great My 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 favorite media outlet, I'll tell you that much. You know why? You know why? Because they love their work. They pump up Sean Gentilly so much. (laughs) That's right. It's me. It's me, Paul Krugman, Brett Stevens, I all those that. great guys I who we know would, and love. I knew it would take them about three months to discover you over there, and now they're like, "What is Sean written today?" Um, yeah, you know what? You, you know what my next piece is going to be for the Athletic NHL vertical. I'm going to be complaining about debate on college campuses. <laughs> well, can you tie that into the Florida Calgary trade? By the way, Bill Zito, I think, is our guest next week, so we will. I, I, Billy, Billy, be ready for a question about Uber. Oh, Just, I mean, guys are going to be mad they got traded. I would be mad. I think Bill is going to understand that guys are the guys are going to be mad. He knows what he was doing. They were talk. They were talking extension, and then he got okay. he got traded to Calgary. Like yeah. whatever. Bill's a, Bill's an agent for a zillion years. Yes. I, I I think he realizes that at some point, you know, it's about business and it's not personal. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, San Jose Sharks GM Mike Greer. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
We are now thrilled to be joined by new San Jose Sharks GM, Mike Greer, who's had a busy summer. Um, Mike, first of all, thanks for doing this. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so I wanted to start, you, you jump into San Jose and immediately start making some changes, uh, you know, growing the staff. I think I, I saw somewhere from, you know, overall from 29 to 35 in terms of player development and front office, really, you know, immediately kind of leaving your mark. How much of that was part of your pitch going in and, and how, you know, what went into the thought processes of, of going into right away kind of making these changes? Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was something that was definitely that we discussed about in in the interviews, and as I felt strongly about that, we there was areas of the organization that needed to be strengthened. Um, you know, player development being one of them. Um, you know how the league is now; it's you need young players, you need to draft well, but you also need your to develop your young players and need them to contribute. So, um, you know, the staff was a little bit light here in in the past. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to get Todd Marchant from the Ducks, who's been doing for 11 years for them. So that was a big get for us. And, um, you know, he's bought in Lucas Pisa, who's had experience doing it, and Tommy Wingles, another Shark guy who's been really, really great with the kids this week. So, um, and we got Nick, Nicky Sundstrom over in Europe helping our guys out over there. So the staff has grown and, um, you know, I just think it's such a big part of the, the game now that we needed to nail that. And and then we needed to, like I said, you need to, dra- you need to draft well and, and develop well. So, you know, we, we felt like uh, we needed to add to our, on the scouting side as well. So those were kind of two, two of the big departments that we felt we needed to kind of give a little bit of a boost to. Well, Tommy Wingles and Lucas Spies, are, are you going to name any other players that you hired that it's going to make me feel extremely old to know that they're working <laughs> in front offices now? I'm like, God, that is brutal. Oh, I know, I know. It's tough getting, tough getting old. I see it every day. Some of these kids are <laughs> coming in here and they look, they look like they could be my kids and they're walking around the ring playing. So it, I love to, I mean, Tommy is such a personality. Just having somebody like that who, who is so, um, I don't know. Like, I'm sure he makes these kids feel comfortable immediately. He's he's just one of the like. Was that part? You bring in somebody who not only knows the game and knows it well, but can connect with these players. I mean, you bring in these former players that are aren't too far removed, right? Like, is that part of the strategy there? Yeah, for sure. And he's got a good way about him. And yeah, he's also someone who who had to earn everything he got. You know, he's not someone who walked in the league as a high pick. You know, he had went to school and had to kind of grind his way up through and, and work his way up into to playing in the NHL. So I think he's got a good, good story and he's got a good, good feel for kids and you know what they're going through. It's not easy on these kids today with, you know, that I think there's a lot of external pressure and social media and things that these kids are going through. So it's, it's been really good to have someone who can relate to them and kind of make them at, put them at ease and, and just talk about life as well as hockey. Hmm. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the interview process. Now you brought up some things, you know, where you, where you felt like the org, you know, needed to beef up. But what about what about that job? What what about the organization and the job appealed to you? Like what what made it? I mean, I've, other other than being an NHL job, I mean, what like is there anything you focus on during the process where you're like, all right, this is this, this is a job I'm going to go after, like whole whole hog. Um, well, I think I one of the main things was that. You know, I really enjoyed playing here. Um, 
you know, I had I had that that connection to the city and the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, the fans the fans here are great. Even though there's been a couple lean years here now, but the fans here were great. I you know they treated me well, and I really enjoyed it. And then the other the other thing that was appealing to is to kind of have an opportunity to to put your stamp on on a franchise and try and build things up and do things the way that that you see fit and and would like to do. So I think those were kind of the two things that appealed most to me. How much did you look at like the cap friendly balance sheet and go, boy, maybe, maybe <laughs> there's somebody that has a cleaner books I can chip it to. Uh, yeah. I try not to look at that too much. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard, yeah. but like, I mean, you got like the Brent Burns deals, like that's a good example of saying, okay, we, we, you know, we're, there's, we're turning the page here and, and there's deals to be made. And, and how, how was that process? Was that difficult with Brent and, and, you know, what was that like? Um, I mean, it, Brent was good. We had good talks from the moment I got the job and he was, you know, he was pretty open about it. And and I, and I understood being an ex-player coming from his perspective, you know, as you get older, you kind of start to see the end of the line coming. And, you know, for him, he, he wanted to go somewhere where he, he had a chance to win a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years. And, and I was honest, I, you know, we all want to win, but looking at our group and our roster where we are, we're not ready to compete for the Stanley cup. So we had good talks and it's never easy to move, you know, a, a defenseman who plays as well as he does and eats the minutes that he does and, and is good in the locker room. So that part of it was difficult, but um, you know, I think you just have to be a little bit realistic as, as well as to where you are and, with the with the money and the age of some of the players, I think we just have to kind of be realistic with that, and and we tried to help Brent Brent out as well. So it kind of you know worked out for for both sides. Hopefully, how much did he zero in on Carolina as a potential destination? Was that like at the top of the list? Did he bring you guys a like you know here's teams A through A through G of of places I'd like to end up? Like what was that end of the process like? Um, there was you know a handful of teams he was interested in going to um you know carolina was definitely near the top and um and i think and they were and it was they were interested as well so you know donnie was pretty uh pretty into it right away letting us know that he'd have interest if if we were going to go down that route so it was it just happened to work out um i when you were hired you you said you know you're the first black NHL GM and you said with that comes responsibility and and it, that's a hard enough job just you know jumping in and, and all the work you have to dig in and do what does that responsibility look like to you I was just I want I was curious if you could expand on that and what that means to you well I mean a lot of it is just how you you know how you carry yourself um you know who I'm surrounding myself with who I'm hiring um and just trying to do a good trying to do a good job really. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, um, you know, hopefully I can do well enough and, and show owners and other teams in the league that, you know, minorities and can, can handle this, this position and, and are, are worthy of, you know, if they're the best candidate then, and they're qualified that they're wor- worthy of being able to handle this, this type of position. And it's, you know, it's not too much different than, you know, when I started off as a player and there wasn't too many black players in the league, it's almost the same way where you have to handle yourself a certain way, present yourself a certain way and, and try and be successful um, to help 
kind of hopefully open the doors for others behind you. So this is it's kind of a similar situation. You said your dad gave you advice. I, that, I, I think he might have said it was the best piece of advice was not to read the newspapers. I don't think that's great advice <laughs> as somebody trying to sell newspapers on some level. But um, any yeah. other, I mean, it, the family is, I mean, it's well talked about, but like, you you know, Chris, your dad, any good advice come along the way here this, this summer? Yeah, you know, they've, one, they've just said, just be yourself. Yeah. Always be yourself, whether it's with the players, with your own staff, you know, with the owner. Um, just be yourself. Tell the truth and and speak from the heart and be truthful about what you believe and what you want to do. And the other one is, you know, he kind of told me when I first started scouting with Chicago is, uh, you know, have an opinion. Don't mm-hmm. don't really sit on the fence about things. So those are kind of things that I. I try and do try and treat people the right way, be honest and upfront with them. And then, you know, when it comes down to the hockey side, it's do your work, do your research, make sure you're informed and, and you're watching the video and watching the games. And once you do that, you know, make your opinion and, and kind of stick with it. And hopefully, hopefully you make the right decision and it works out, but you don't want to kind of be second guessing yourself all the time, you know, do the work and hopefully it takes care of it. Things take care of itself. Caught up with Tomas Hurdle in, in Vegas last week, and I had we hadn't we hadn't seen him face to face in you know a couple of years. I mean that guy is just you know a ray, a ray of light, right? He's a he's a he's a he's a ball of energy. Yeah. The dude, the dude's dude's unbelievable to talk to. I just want I just wonder what your thoughts are on him as as you know the, the new the new deal. Obviously, it was signed signed before you were there, but he's the centerpiece of the, of the organization moving forward. I thought something interesting. He said, and he, and he laughed about it, but I thought there was some truth in it. Um, he kind of came up and he was the young guy on those teams, right? Whether it's behind, whether it's behind Pavelski or Thornton, he was, you know, mm-hmm. a little brother. And now he's, you know, kind of at the top layer of leadership. He said he never had a chance to be like in the middle. He went yeah. from being a young guy to an old guy, an old guy kind of, kind of quickly. So I was just wondering what your thoughts on, on him, on him, were as a player, and also kind of transitioning into that next kind of phase of his career, because he sounds like he's he's ready to he's ready to do it. Yeah, he's been great. We've had some some good conversations on the phone before we got here, and then since he's been in town, it's been good good to uh, talk to him a little bit. Um, like you said, he's he's an upbeat. He's got tons of energy. He's excited, and you know, as a player, he's he's the kind of player I think every team's looking for. You know, a big centerman who can play at both ends of the rank, score goals for you, make plays, kill penalties, play in the power play. I mean, he's he's kind of the ideal center that everyone's looking for. So we're very fortunate to have him. And, um, you know, he's someone that I can just see that he's taken some some steps, it seems, from talking to Joe and the other staff here. You know, he's he's excited about playing in Prague to start the season, but he's already trying to, you know, put together – dinners and activity for the for the groups things like that he's yeah. kind of uh he's kind of stepping he's kind of stepping up and uh and kind of leading the way and the, you know we had, we had some on ice testing the other day and he was you know he was at the front of the line doing that stuff so i think he's i think he's in a good space mentally he's feeling good um feeling good about himself and and, and about where he is not only as a hockey player but as a person yeah he sounded thrilled about about the Prague experience, right? Like he's, he was going through 
his itinerary for those for those few days. That's gonna be that's yeah. gonna be a busy trip for her. I right? know he's got uh, a lot of things he wants to do, and he's got a lot of people. I think he's got close to fifty people coming to the games and stuff like that. So it's, uh, but he's excited for it, and you know, for a lot of those guys that come over here and play, this is kind of a once in a lifetime. Um, experience for him so i'm excited for him as well but he's uh yeah we're, we're gonna have to find out a way to get him some rest to make sure he's ready for the games too <laughs> well uh, before we let you go can we break any news here there's been a joe thornton spot spot in a you know, sighting since san jose <laughs> come on run, let's run it back yeah. let's make it let's make it happen <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't have anything for you on jumbo right now he's uh you know i think he's still kind of sorting things out and what he wants to do and I'll let him lead the way with that and kind of see what he wants to do. He's, I think right now he's enjoying time with his, uh, with his family and, and being a dad a bit, but he's, you know, he still likes being around the guy. So he's, he's been around the rank here practicing a little bit. And so I'm, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He hasn't really, you know, if you know, Jumbo, that's just kind of where he's a big kid. He's just kind of winging it a little bit, but, um, you know, I think at some point he'll, he'll, uh, He'll let us know what what he wants to do, but right now that I, I don't really have anything anything for you, unfortunately. Would you be open to a PTO if he wants to? Just uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk to him about it. I don't. I, I honestly don't. I don't know what he's uh, which way he wants to go or what he's leaning. But you know, he's he's definitely someone. Once either way, whatever he decides, he's definitely someone I want to have around the organization. Him. Yeah. And, you know, him and Patty, I think they're two iconic players here who have a lot to offer the game, even, you know, whether it's playing or when they're done playing, they're, they're guys I definitely want to have around to help me and be around the organization. So um, we'll have to see what he decides to do. Like Jumbo, he's always kind of beats to his own drum. So yes. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, the most, the most important question, did you catch the Dolphins game? Oh, yeah. Um, Gosh, how much did you game. watch? Did you watch the second half? I, I, it was interesting. We had, so we had rookie camp. So I saw the first quarter and I was like, oh, this isn't going so well. So, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so we had some stuff with that and I actually came back and saw the fourth quarter and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> so it was nice. It was nice. Nice win for those guys, especially, I don't think they'd won it. It's been almost, I think 20 years or something since they've won in Baltimore. And I think those two little wide receivers are, are something else. So we'll see. Pretty good. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks for doing this. And, uh, and again, congratulations. We're looking forward to see what you build out there. You got some great people you've already brought in. Um, David, I mean, it's, it's been fun to watch what you build already. So best of luck. And thanks again. No, thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Take care. And I'm sure we'll catch up at some point. All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks guys. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back for the first time. This is the only good segment on the show. Oh, this is going to be a great one. It's actually as bad as the other segments on the show (laughs) this week. (laughs) Because the break has meant that we have not had any, any, any episodes posted. So we don't have questions or comments or... Maybe a bunch of people posted questions on the last I, you episode know what? We did I, back in June or whatever July. This is not uh, a joke. It's just it. I I'm sure they did. It just dawned on me. I didn't think to look until just now because I'm stupid. Um, but go back, please. Go into the episode page. Mm-hmm. Do our jobs for us. Leave us questions. Leave, leave us comments. Lots of questions for next week because we're like this is like when the teleprompter goes out. We don't know what to do here without your questions. So please. Although thankfully the NHL stepped up with lots yeah, of news. That's like, it. A million defensemen retired. Nathan McKinnon. Let's start there, Sean. Mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon signs a contract that makes him the highest paid player. This is like this is like the Nathan McKinnon hour. This all happened after we recorded the first segment. We do love Nathan McKinnon. I remembered another funny quote from from the from the media availability. Like we were busting his chops for being because I mean, look, it's a standard question for however long he's been signed to that last deal. But it's like, oh, you're the last, you're the most underpaid guy in the league. And he was like, yeah, it's not what you want. (laughs) That's not the title (laughs) that I'm looking for. But then I, I asked him if if Makar if Makar took the belt, and he and McKinnon said that he he has it now, and he and he chirps him about about players who make more than him, which he didn't say any names. I wish oh, I would. They're going. Oh, by the way, so and so makes more than you. Yeah, no, That's I said. Oh, but good. yeah, and he, and he's like, I'm not going to name any names, but like I feel like Jacob Truba was in the back. <laughs> in the back with his ear with his ears burning right Makar is Makar is now the most underpaid player in the league I mean McKinnon that's a it's so funny man that's a huge number for him right like 12.6 a year for eight years is a ton he's making more than more than McDavid now but it still just seems uh hockey player salaries are low it's they just they just still they still seem low and I'm always glad to see like as someone whatever airs on the player side of things a lot of the time. I'm glad to see the bar raise because it seems like, I don't know, right? Like that's this, that's this loop that we're stuck in here where nobody could make more than Oveshkin and or Crosby. And now nobody could make more than McDavid for the last hour many years. And it's good to see McKinnon kind of break out of that, break out of that mindset, especially after he left. They don't win a, they don't win a cup without him. I, with, without him at that number, I, I, I guarantee it. 
So he's getting paid on the back end now. I'm happy to see it because, again, Nathan McKinnon is my best friend, as, as well, we established as of last week. That. Yeah. So Kyle McCarr signs a contract last – it was only last summer. It pays him $9 million annually through 26-27. Look, he may be underpaid, I guess. But it's, he is. Do we think he's the, that's the best contract in hockey then? I mean, he's a – if he, he's a tier 1A or whatever you, you've declared him. Oh God, it's tough because you know what goes into these what goes into these calculations. I can't say that based on based on Dom's model in terms of market value. I mean, it's Makar, and I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, he's I don't have the number in front of me, but he's outstripped. Like last season alone, he outstripped that 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 extension by five, six, seven million dollars. It's a tough, but it's a tough. It's a tough conversation to have, though, because conceptually, it's tough to wrap your head around a guy who makes ten million dollars or, or nine nine million dollars in change being underpaid. Like that doesn't jive. No, it's up not that with, hard. It's not that hard. It's easy for you because you're a genius, <laughs> much, much, yeah, much smarter than no, me. No, I'm just saying. Like, it's not hard to sit here and say Connor McDavid's underpaid. Like, it's it's easier to say so. You know. But like, do you just also, go? Also, how about Nathan McKinnon? How long until he's underpaid? Like twenty I'd, minutes? Yeah. It, what, it, did we eat lunch yet? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's around it's around it's around that point. I guess what I'm saying is like, do we go by just straight value? Like, do we say like Kale McCarr outperformed his deal by seven million dollars, or do we say that player X outperformed it by sixty yeah. percent? Like, how do you define value? Is it just straight millions? Or is it percent of the original, the original salary? And this might—it's not interesting at all, right? I don't know that it's that interesting of a discussion. Oh, it's only well, interesting talking when we, about it. Then it's only interesting when we talk about the about the top end guys because it is crazy. That is like the main NHL market efficiency is that star players don't get paid enough money. That's it. But it but it's something that applies to every to every team. It's well, it's an NHL because thing of this too. Cap, like, what other sport is like? It let's squeeze the superstars. <laughs> So we can pay the. It's you because know, these guys the backup offensive linemen. That they're on. They're on this run of having top end players, and, and it's not a coincidence that the most high, that the best, highest profile, highest paid hockey players are leaving money on the table to a ridiculous extent. That's bad news for the rest of the league. Do you have? Sidney right. Crosby saying, "Like I'm getting, I'm I'm a weirdo who wants to have my value set at eight point seven million dollar <laughs> cap hit, and then the end result is like, okay, uh, Sidney Crosby only makes eight point seven million dollars, so mm-hmm. tough nuggets, you know, whatever. I like whoever whoever else was signing was signing deals back after the lockout. That was that was ba- that was the de facto cap on individual salaries." And I don't want to make it sound like this is like some undeserved thing from McKinnon because it's not. But the fact that he is a step or two below McDavid and is now making more money than him, that's a big deal. That's that's an that's an important thing. And it's also setting the bar not for nothing for Austin Matthews, who is a year out from being able to, you know, negotiate a, a contract extension of his own. Because that ball's rolling. I, I saw Jonas wrote it yesterday. Ugh. Like it's time to That's start talking happening. about. We're already talking it's time about. Time to start talking about. Uh, it's time to start talking about Austin Matthews. Or no, you know, what? actually, I take that back. It was CJ. It was Chris Johnson. He 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 wrote in the last few days. It's time to start talking about uh, Austin Matthews' next contract, and that's where we are. 
And that's the sort of thing that, you know, something that the thing that happened today with McKinnon is going to loom large with. How much does Austin Matthews make now? I'm not privy to any of those conversations, but I'm guessing Austin is not going to do anybody any favors. No, nor should he. No, I mean, he should, like, he won't. Definitely not the Maple Leafs. Certainly not the Maple Leafs. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Coyotes. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Here, I want to have a quick draft with you before the end of this episode. And it's a three-player draft. And you get to pick Zidane Chara at the peak of his powers, P.K. Subban at the peak of his powers. Oh, my God. And Keith Yandel at 1.5% of the peak <laughs> of his powers. We're doing the Yandel. We're doing a, we're gonna Yandel? Do a Yandel multiplier. Arizona Arizona Keith Yandel is one of the great underrated players of our Mm. great underrated slash underpaid players of our of our era here, I think. Remember when the Rangers got him and then they got him at half off? And it didn't work. It didn't work. I love that trade for the Rangers. Everything about it seemed like that was what I feel like we hung on to for a while. I was like, ah yeah. Maybe, maybe this is maybe this is going to slide into place here, and it didn't, and it didn't happen. One point five. So you get you get to pick one of those guys to anchor your D. Well, PK's PK's handle at one point five. There were kind of with well, PK's a funny <laughs> deal too. Like there were kind of whispers around Vegas that maybe that maybe he was done, and then you know whatever we're four we're four days out, and that comes to pass. What a it's a bizarre career. He was winning Norris's at 28. Probably could have yeah. won two. By 30, he's a backbencher, pretty much. And now at 32, he's probably by some, to some extent, done by his own choice, but just a bizarre, bizarre run. It really um, was. Who won, the, uh, who won the Weber for Subban trade? Oh, man. <laughs> Is it... I mean, at least Vegas turned it into cap relief. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> the or, eventual or, or, winner was or Montreal. Or Montreal. Montreal. Montreal eventually turned turned yeah. it into cap relief. Um, I think you got to take Chara. I think it's Peak Chara. Yeah, Peak Peak Chara was just so okay. So, what is the question? You get one game of these guys at no, the absolute. I, I, it's it's not that well thought out. Yeah, you're trying to win a Stanley Cup game seven. And you get one of them at the peak of their powers. It's Chara. It's Chara. Because he did it. <laughs> he was so good and intimidating. I was I was having a conversation with a with a friend with a media with a media buddy, Adi Joseph, who who helps run CBS Sports. And he's not a hockey guy, but he was just asking like to kind of stratify those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, Chara is it's an overused term, but the dude is a unicorn just based on his body type, based on the way his career started, based on some of the fitness principles that he brought to the help kind of bring to the league and strength. Bike to work every day. All that stuff. Bike to work. I saw someone say that after a cup party, the first thing he did was like send a, send a cab bill into the, into the team and try to get it reimbursed. I think that's the kind of deal, kind of guy we're dealing with here. That's great. Every, every base covered. That's how you play in the league for, a hundred years is you always try to do, you do stuff like filing expense reports promptly on, on, on cab trips. I mean, it's him, right? Cause like they don't, it's not don't. the correct answer was Keith Yandel at one point five because player, he's American, any, Sean. Shit. 
Also, was a, this was a test. First episode back, and you failed it. I was hanging out with too many Canadian people last week. <sighs> um, I think the question is like, who's the worst player that you could put at at one point five percent and still come <laughs> out on top there? Because I think by by nature, like that's like just an NHL like <laughs> top pair. It's <laughs> based and then on multiply. Based on biology alone, like one and a half of an elite player is going to be better than another elite player. Is yeah. is Mackenzie is Mackenzie Weger at at, at one point five better than better than Peaks at NHR? I think so. I think we should start messing with Dom's like to start put adding multipliers into Dom's model and just to see. I've started kind of out of whack things that it creates. I've started just asking for comps for random players just. And he thinks that I'm like working on something, but I'm not actually. You just want comps. I'm like, I asked him for it. We're, we're doing season previews. I asked him for a Cole Cylinder comp yesterday. I didn't even bother using any of it. <laughs> he, it's, you're not, like, it takes him two seconds to put all that together, though. He's got it all. Yeah, but if you ask him like six times or eight times over the course of, over the course of an afternoon, it, it evens out. Well, Sean, it was good to see you. I, I don't think we need to drag out segment three any more than we already have. Unless you have further mm. thoughts on... Wait, I I mean... Oh, you're ready? You, you want to attack on another 20 minutes? No, I just want to ask you, like, as a guy who was who was around for peak Chara in a way that I wasn't, because you, yeah. you, were, you were covering those teams and, you know, pretty, pretty closely in, tw- in 2011 and whenever else, like, is there a takeaway for you? I think this might be the most serious question I've ever asked you on the... On on, on Chara's career or his impact? Or? I don't know. Do you do you have like you, is there like a weird is there like a weird moment that you have with him? Because you were you were on the ice in Boston and, and all that yeah. stuff. Like no, you know the thing about Chara was he was pretty like res- like like PK was way more fun to deal with. I had I have more memories of mm-hmm. even even whatever that year was where they went toe to toe in the playoffs and it was awesome and people were like. It, like going out of their minds and somebody like spit on. I don't remember. There's always there's the water bottles or there was always controversy and PK was just in the middle of it, loving it. Like just wanted to mm-hmm. get the, he was like a, he, he loved playing the heel and that was great. Like for what we were doing, like Char, like they couldn't oh. have been more different. Char was so serious and so focused and PK was like, we're going to, I'm going to shut that crowd up and we're going to have a great time. And I loved that. Like I loved covering PK. Um, and, and, uh, so, uh, you know, of the three, the one I probably have the biggest memory of was, he he was Yandel because, um, I remember him being in the, uh, like in the trade conversation so much in in Arizona and I don't think he wanted to be trade. Like it was just difficult on him. And I just remember somehow I just got sent city to city and I kept dealing with him and he was just, it was really, you could just tell it was the anguish was hard, you know? And, and, um, like it, it just, it really seemed, it was as like, like a personal thing. Like you're going from just speculating about somebody's future and Yandel might get traded. And then I would see how, like, he was pretty like open about how, you know, it was a, it's a tough process. And, and I just remember like connecting with that and just being like, oh yeah, this is, this, this is hard for people that are dealing with this stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, all three great players, especially at 1.5, Yandel was a great player. <laughs> you know, part of PK's legacy really is, is that he annoyed Crosby. <laughs> he gets, he gets he annoyed, that. He, anno- he annoyed Sid so much. That's it, happened during, it happened during the cup finals with the mouthwash thing. You remember oh, that? Yeah, the mouthwash. 
said guts. <laughs> Wasn't thrilled to be getting asked those questions. Let me no. tell you. No. So, That's fine. Whatever. Well, I'll miss having That's P. It, I mean, man. he's going to move well, into TV and do a good job. <laughs> yeah. and I, th- I think, you know, I think we're all going to give more than enough PK in our lives over the next, yeah. over the next couple of years. Something he tells can me. do whatever he wants. And, and that's good. I'm just sad that these players are all retiring. You talked about Tommy Wingles being on the staff, making you feel oh old. my god. Like well, that was this, part of this announcement today. I'm like, Ugh. that was part of. I think that was fresh on my mind whenever we asked Mike about that, right? Because we we talked about it earlier today. Like Jesus, like all these guys are all these guys are retiring. It's making it's making us feel really old. And you hear that Lucas Pisa is is a is a player development guy for the Sharks. Like God Almighty, I know. Old Sean. This is a downbeat. This is a downbeat note to leave on. We need. This is why we need the comments. It tees us up for jokes. Hey, this will make you feel good. Guess where I went to lunch the other day to meet Brendan Quinn, one of our great writers. A nice halfway <laughs> point between my home and his could place, it, Ferndale, could it be Michigan. Tipsy? Could it be Tipsy McStaggers? <laughs> it was Tipsy McStaggers. He's like, I go, he goes, hey, what do you want to meet? I'm like, oh, there's this place in Warren, Michigan called Tipsy McStaggers. And he's like, oh, yeah. subtle. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty subtle yeah. title. So the waitress comes over and she's, she's like, I, you know, I get, take my order. I get a Cobb salad because I'm, you know, fat. That's my attempt to not be it's fat. healthy. And she goes, do you want pita with that? It's got, it, hey, it's got corn in it. It does, Yeah, that's right. It's healthy. Does it? I, I, think, I don't know. I think eggs. Oh, corn so kernels. She goes, do you want pita, bread? And I'm like, no. I go, I, I just come from my doctor. And he said, he goes, uh, he, he said, I got to lay off the carbs. She goes, hey. Like, yeah. She goes, your doctor's an asshole. Tipsy McStaggers. Tipsy McStaggers, Rachel. So I'm like, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's just looking out for me, but thank you. And, she and said, then, can I just say, said, yeah. So then I'm like, well, I can't get ranch. And this became a thing. This whole discussion with her. She was great, by the way. This, you know, the, she's the waitress you would expect at Tipsy McStaggers. Yeah, she was Mrs. I, McStaggers. She was Mrs. Mrs. McStaggers or the daughter of or whatever. She goes, <laughs> I go, I can't get ranch. I'm like, I don't know. Should I just go vinegar and oil? And she's like, hold on. I, I bring my own salad dressing for my lunch. And she brings out her, she's, it was like garlic expressions or something. She's like, it's really good. It tastes great and it's not too bad for you. And she gave me like her personal stash of salad dressing. Did she like, was she wearing a, an overcoat that she opened up and like <laughs> the lining of it had little <laughs> bottles of salad dressing up and down them? That's, that's what I imagine. You're buying, yeah. bro, you're, bl- you're Brian, you're buying, buying a black market salad dressing. I mean, she could, it could have been anything. I was very trusting. I just poured it all over that. And she's like, here to try this concoction I brought from home. The other, the other, uh, the Americans meme or whatever running joke that came up was that last week um when me and russo were in vegas talking to bill daly which i believe the interview will be running during wednesday's show why good i don't know good good as always why were we talking to bill daly i don't know no why is it running not on this show russo calls the shots man you know this my man my man writes his own number um and he also had the recording equipment. I think that's the main thing. <laughs> um, you couldn't get like a five minute he, clip for this. Episode. So, all right, I'm going to uh, par- paraphrasing this. We asked him about something. I think it was the critical dates calendar, right? Where it's like, they, you need certain dates set on the NHL calendar over yeah. the course of the, ne- of the next year. They haven't released some of it. It's a very media centric up your ass kind of question. 
Um, Russo asks it, and Bill says, like in the microphone, like, "Well, I, th- I think I think one of your co- I think I uh, I think I owe one of your coworkers a, an email back about that one about the critical days calendar." He's of course t- of course talking about Pierre. Mm-hmm. Russo brings up Pierre. Daly gets in like a nice little cottage season, you know, disappearing <laughs> for a couple months joke. And I'm holding, and me and Russo are like passing a microphone back and forth. And I grab the microphone like right. on, like on, like on, like on impulse, on reflex to as soon as, he, <laughs> as soon as Bill brought up Pierre's cottage, I, I grabbed the mic to say I do it. One, one, two, two, Boogie Woogie <laughs> Avenue. And I had to stop myself. Oh, you didn't Russo, do it? I, I just had like, Bill wouldn't have gotten it. Russo wouldn't have gotten it. Okay, I would have Bill would have st- been like, he would ring the bell. He, Bill knows. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to say Bill Daly with 1122 Boogie. I was, yeah, I, I was, I would have known. But, yeah. I mean, we only had 15 minutes with, with the, with, with the vice commissioner. This is what Bill Daly thought it should be. It's what it should vice, be. Vice commissioner. 15 minutes with Bill. You don't just get 15 minutes with Bill Daly, bro. We couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't waste 10 seconds of that on my, on my one, one, two, two boogie woogie Avenue joke. Sure you could. I would have, I would have led with that. Next time. Um, this is a good time to plug the Wednesday show. That is the Wednesday round table. Yeah. Mike Russo, Jesse Granger, Joe Smith, Bill Daly is going to join in an interview with Mike Russo and somebody else who was part of that interview. Uh, <laughs> Make sure you tune in to that. I think I asked. I think I asked two questions. Russo was holding the mic. I think I asked about jerseys or something. Did you have to like grab re- it, like wrestle it out of his hand to get a question? Yes. Bill yeah. was holding one microphone. Mike was holding the other one, and I just was sort of like leaning in, like I was leaning in, like uh, like Stephen Van Zant going back to back on the microphone with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> tied a bunch of scarves around it. <laughs> Uh, also, you know the drill. Follow us on Athletic Audio Plus and Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content. I don't think we're this week. I hope we're not, but we will be <laughs> one of these weeks. And you can start with a 30-day free trial. Then it's 99 cents a month after that. That's Apple Podcasts, the Athletic Audio Plus. And right now, right now only, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you go Athletic. Go to athletic.com slash hockey show any final thoughts yeah good news from producer jeff we are not the bonus episode this week <laughs> so we're so we're back exactly. for, we're back for another season and jeff is back to cutting up our food for us baby <laughs> spoon feed it good to be back <laughs>